Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boobies and Newbies. You can follow us at Boobies Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the podcast and get a little extra bonus Boobies content every month, you can support us on Patreon at Boobies Podcast. Welcome to Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box and brave the unbridled world of erotica. I'm your host, Kelly Reynolds, and today I'm joined by founder, owner, and operator of the first ever feminist book club box subscription, The Feminist Book Club, as well as the podcast host of the accompanying Feminist Book Club podcast. Let's hear it for the lovely Renee Powers. Welcome, Renee. Thanks. I'm I'm hearing applause and cheers in my head. I love okay. that intro. Thank you. <laughs> so we have to give everyone time to <laughs> applaud before continuing. That's how I keep my spirits up. <laughs> Perfect. No, I love that. I like I mean, I feel like I should just start inserting like laugh tracks, applause tracks, like just to keep everyone's spirits high. Perfect. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. So I'm so excited. If anybody missed it, I was fortunate enough to appear on an episode of the Feminist Book Club podcast, and it was super fun. We had so much fun talking about romance and feminism and where feminism is going and what feminism means to us. And yeah, it was it was super fun on my part. So of course, we had to get Renee in here to do an episode as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of it's going to be the continuation of that conversation. I feel like we just scratched the surface of these intersections of romance as a genre uh, and feminism and how you made an interesting point in that conversation that romance and feminism have kind of gotten a bad rap and have all of these like stigmas mm. around them. And it's interesting that they're um, they have a kind of a parallel journey. And so, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to um, seeing where this conversation goes, because that one was so good. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, it was so fun listening, but also like simultaneously weird just to hear myself as like the guest at one, you know, in this Totally. And so this will probably maybe feel like the same thing for you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> cool. Well, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Feminist Book Club? Because what's great about this podcast is that it's not just a podcast. You've basically created a brand where people can also not only experience the podcast, but have this subscription box that they receive every month. Yeah. So we are a, an entirely community-led 
feminist experience. And I say full-on experience because it's not just the podcast, like you said. It's also a, a book club. Um and people have asked me, like, why did you start a book club? You're not Oprah. Okay, well, then you're not Oprah part is just my <laughs> inner critic. But I had a podcast prior to this where I was constantly recommending books. I am an academic by trade. I did um, my bachelor's, my master's, and my PhD coursework in gender studies and communication. So I always have a list of books to recommend to people. And so it started as just a reading group with some of my friends online and has developed into a full-fledged subscription box experience. So every month, members suggest the titles that they want to read, and then we vote on those titles. So it's a democratic process. I have no idea what's coming in future boxes. It's so fun. Um, no bias whatsoever. No. It's it's really, I'm reading way outside my comfort zone, and I am so here for it. Um, and then we, I, I pair those titles with products from women and queer-owned businesses, and you receive it's just like a lovely care package once a month of the book itself and products like um, cookie. Oh, the last one, let's see, the March box had cookies. It had a reusable string tote bag by Eco Bags. That was yeah, so, they're so cute. Good. That bag like was they're super so good. Cute. And that company has been around since like 1989, like before eco-friendly sustainable businesses were a thing. And it was woman founded. She's totally badass. Um, and then it also had these ridiculously cute fingerless gloves that featured a bird on the middle finger. The company is called Flip em the Bird. Two badass women here in Minnesota where I am. Perfect. Um, anyway, so that was a total hit. And then the book of the month was The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, which is, I'm kind of ashamed to admit I've never read. So it was a great ex- I've never read yeah, it either. It was a great I've excuse never read it either. to read that together. And then we chat on video chat at the end of the month. We invite the author to join us if she's still living. <laughs> Sylvia Plath, we tried to, you know, conjure her from the dead. Didn't work. Uh, yeah. Center center a direct message on <laughs> right, Instagram. Right. She wasn't responding. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, it's it's been a really healing experience in a lot of ways to just have this really commute this community of women from all over the world get together and talk about books and their experiences and support one another in all walks of life. Um, and because we meet online during the video chat, but also in a private Facebook group that's super supportive. Uh, it's just it's nice to have, as Virginia Woolf might say, a room of one one's own or just a space of one's own to be themselves. Totally. Yes. It's it's a community. It's a community. And I'm a part of the Facebook group. I was a yes, December yes. box subscriber. And I always check every month to see what the book is, see if I'm going to subscribe again. But yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic box. And even just I mean, just being a part of the Facebook group and like the communication between everyone is so welcoming and I mean it, it just feels like such a safe space that you've created and I'm very Aww, thankful thank you. for that. I can I say that are. our April book has been decided. We haven't publicized it too much. I don't know when this is going to go live, but um our April book will be Everything's Trash But It's Okay by Phoebe Robinson. Ooh. Who, if you're familiar with podcasts, she's one of the hosts of Two Dope Queens. And yes. I'm hoping to get in touch with her people, have her people contact my people. <laughs> That would be so amazing. And I'm pretty sure this episode will drop start of April. So it'll be just in time for everyone to get their April box. Perfect. 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 Something to look forward to. April's also my birthday month. (gasps) Mine too. Are you an Aries? Yes. Oh my gosh. When's your birthday? The 12th. Mine's the 14th. (gasps) 
We're practically twins. Twinning. I love it. Oh my gosh. Aries twinning for the win. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, how can anybody and how can anybody, how can everybody find the Feminist Book Club box? Where can we follow you? Where can we subscribe? Where can we listen? So you can find us, feministbookclub.com. I'll also say, I haven't done this yet, but I will do it before this goes live. We'll have a coupon code. You can use coupon code. Let's say boobies. Coupon code boobies. And that'll give you a little discount on your first box. As if anybody needed more of an excuse. I mean, just an excuse to use a coupon code (laughs) boobies. I, I mean, I'm in. Like, count me in. <laughs> Happy birthday to us. <laughs> and then you can find me on Instagram. Um, my personal Instagram is Belle Renee. Belle spelled the French way. Um, it was my college mascot. I went to a women's college. I don't think I'm pretty. It's like B-E-L-L-E-R-E-N-E-E. I just decided to go full on French. Whatever. Okay, so that's my personal Insta. And then Feminist Book Club Box on Instagram is where you can get all of the updates on what we're doing with the subscription box and the podcast because the accompanying podcast comes out every week and we share a little bit about it each week when those new episodes are live. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great. And there's and I feel like you talk to so many different women like on the podcast. I mean, it really is a great representation of women all over the world, different, you know, what they're doing, different gen, uh, not different genders, but different yeah, identities. different genders. Different genders. I've got um, a non-binary writer coming up on the podcast soon. Oh, and awesome. I've got a few male-identifying folks that um, are on my list to contact soon, too. So That's anybody great. who likes feminist literature, writes feminist literature, we just talk about the intersection of feminism and literature. Awesome. Awesome. Yay! I'm so excited. Well, I can't wait to see what's coming next from Feminist Book Club Podcast. And I think I'm going to have to use my own subscription code for my April discount box. (laughs) Yes! Perfect. Okay. Well, on to the romance. So today, Renee and I are going to be discussing the book, The Governess Game by Tessa Dare. And this book was published August 2018 and is available on Amazon for $4.99, Kindle edition. This is also the second book in the Girl Meets Duke series from Tessa Dare. Um, I had actually, I hadn't read the first book in the series before reading this one. So I'm not sure about you, Renee, but I can say that I didn't feel lost. I feel like you you could start with this book if you wanted to. You do meet a couple characters who are the focal point of book 1. So, I mean, it might might do you well to read them in order, but if you don't, you'll get by just fine. And totally. uh, I'm a little disappointed to say though that the third book in the series does not come out until August 2019. Oh, like I I know that is quite a wait. Like I need more. So, what were you going to say, I Renee? was going to say that I'm really impressed. So this is my first foray into romance as a genre. Um, but I listen to a lot of other, like, bookish podcasts, and they cover romance novels. And um, one of the things that I've re- learned recently is that it's not unusual for these kinds of series to be, you know, to be written, and you don't have to read them in order. And I think that's really cool yes. that it's, they just take, like, an ancillary character of book number one and then follow his or her journey and then an ancillary another ancillary character to create a series to create this universe that was brand new to me brand new information (laughs) brand new instead of the marvel universe we have the romance landia universe so i mean it's it it really is i and i think um a lot of authors uh clearly not 
Tessa Dare with this series since there's going to be a year in between books two and three. But I think a lot of authors are smart in that they plan the releases to be kind of month to month too. So like maybe book one comes out in August, book two comes out in September, book three comes out in October. Like that's what I want. The fact that I have to wait until August of this year, I am a little upset, Tessa Dare, (laughs) but it's good enough that I'm definitely going to be waiting to buy the book. So we'll get more into that too. Uh, before we talk about the book, though, you already kind of mentioned it, but I usually ask my my uh, guests on the show if they had ever read a romance novel before reading this book, and you already answered it. You had not. No. Well, I think I probably had in high school or like early college, but I started my gender studies career my sophomore year of college, and I was under the impression, right, as an early feminist, that I couldn't sure. like romance novels, right? <laughs> because- oh, of course, because they just make us look like weak women and we just want, you know, Fabio ripping off our blouses <laughs> and that's all. And so I I didn't even think to pick one up, even though I do love a good rom-com movie every once in a while. It was sure. just one of those like, but romance novels, those aren't for feminists. So mm. I think I read one or two prior to the age of like 19 but since then I'm 32 now 33 April 14th (laughs) I I that's been like almost half my lifetime I haven't been reading romance novels yeah but you're gonna change that now right absolutely yes (laughs) yay I'm so glad yeah no it's um I think you're right I think it's definitely that that's been my understanding of romance novels too is that I started reading them when I was in college. It was kind of the opposite. Where you stopped reading is when I picked them up. And uh, and I feel like I got so much shit from it from, you know, just like friends. And um, in fact, I feel like the first person I connected with reading romance was one of my college professors noticed me reading a book one day and was like, oh, I love that author. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, so it's okay for me to be reading this then, right? Because you're a smart PhD professor, and you also enjoy romance novels. That's okay? Yes, of course it's okay. That's, that that kind of validation is how I got back into pop music because I was listening <laughs> to just like just like choral music and like show tunes until my women's studies professor said she loved Justin Timberlake and I was like, "Oh, it's okay to listen to Sexy Back again." Gosh, it's so I mean it's so bad that it's like that's the way we train ourselves to think, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think women especially, I think we have a bad habit of putting down other women and, you know, thinking we're supposed to look a certain way and falling into like the Instagram pit of that's, oh, that's what I should be doing. You know, I'm that, I feel like that's one of my biggest faults is trying to compare myself to others and like what they've accomplished by a certain point and thinking that's where I'm supposed to be or that's what I'm supposed to be reading or watching and you know, if you're not doing it, you're doing something wrong, which is just, that's what's wrong. <laughs> yes. I think to that point, there's this this ideal of performative feminism, too, or performative allyship that you can only be feminist if, and then fill in the blanks, and the people doing mm-hmm. it on, on Instagram or social media, you know, have huge followings, and when they fuck up, they are called out instead of called in. And one of the things that I'm learning as a more public feminist these days is 
to give myself to gr- some grace to to fuck up to say something that might be insensitive that I don't know because those are opportunities to learn right and if I can't make those mistakes out loud with this smaller audience that I have then I'll never be able to grow in the future so um I think that acknowledging that romance is something that I like in public right here and now (laughs) yes do it make that declaration (laughs) gives me the space then to be there is no such thing as a perfect feminist and I'm not one and I'm not never going to be but it gives me the space to be like a whole human being with nuance and flaws and yeah so any anybody out there who is a feminist and a romance genre junkie like yeah that's okay well and reading romance doesn't make you any less of a feminist and absolutely not and I I think especially from reading this book people have this misconception of what romance is and we talked about this on your podcast but that romance is and can be very feminist and powerful and I mean especially I'm so excited to talk about this book with you because I feel like this is a fantastic representation of feminism in the 1800s no less that will translate to modern audiences modern readers today for sure I forget when I chose this book did you choose this book I feel like there was a discussion about what book we were going to read and this was one that you had actually brought up so shout out to my friend Becky she is a huge romance lover and I remember her saying to me like you have to start with Tessa Dare that is what was like mm. her recommendation was this author and so you came to okay. I, had, I don't know like what subgenre I wanted to read I was like I don't know <laughs> Kelly my friend says Tessa Dare you choose something by her <laughs> and so this <laughs> no, is what you chose that's perfect I, okay I'm so glad well first of all Becky thank you <laughs> Becky <laughs> Becky clearly has excellent taste because Tessa Dare is a great writer. I've been reading Tessa Dare for years. And in fact, I want to say we reviewed one of her novellas for our Boobsmith series. So I'm I'm pretty sure we have done a shorter Tessa Dare story for the podcast before. But I think I think that was actually a really great recommendation for a starting romance novel. Because I, I think you run the risk when you recommend a period romance to somebody as their first romance that maybe... They they might have some troubles with the language, with the time period, like they might not make as many connections as they would with a contemporary romance. But I think this is actually a great exception to that. Like this, this was one, and I'll talk about this more as we get into what we liked and didn't like. I can tell you right now, there's not a lot I didn't like about this book. And one of the things I really liked was that even though it takes place in the early 1800s, there's a lot about it that feels very contemporary, like the way they talk, the things they talk about. I was like, wait a second, this is still in the 1800s, right? Like, yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's. I think it's a great starting romance. I'm I'm glad this was a uh, this was your first. Well, maybe not your first, but your my first first my re- <laughs> yes my rebirth. <laughs> your renaissance <laughs> my second virginity <laughs> yes there you go there you go so perfect okay well so everybody has like a little idea of what we're discussing let me give everyone the brief amazon synopsis so uh they're, they're on board with us and the governess game here we go 
the accidental governess. After her livelihood slipped through her fingers, Alexandra Mountbatten. Pause. That I is so help. good. I, yeah, I can't. The first thing I, the first <laughs> note I took was, well, that's a name. <laughs> yeah, right? So I, and it's so bad. I kept reading it as Mount Bottom. Like, I kept thinking <laughs> bottom the whole time. Oh, gosh. But yeah, Alexandra Mountbatten takes on an impossible post, transforming a pair of wild orphans into proper young ladies. However, the girls don't need discipline. They need a loving home. Mm. Aw. Try telling that to their guardian, Chase Raynaud, Duke's heir in the streets and devil in the sheets. Ooh. The ladies of London have tried and failed to make him settle down. Somehow, Alexandra must reach his heart without risking her own. Okay, part two. The infamous rake. Like any self-respecting libertine. I love that word. (laughs) Libertine. Love that word. Like any self-respecting libertine, Chase lives by one rule, no attachments. When a stubborn little governess tries to reform him, he decides to give her an education in pleasure. Okay, so the description is like way raunchier than the actual Uh, book, I think. It totally is. It totally is. Like this is, I think, promising something. Like it's got got its raunchy moments, but this is promising (laughs) a whole different education. (laughs) Um, That should prove he can't be tamed. But Alexandra is more than he bargained for. Clever, perceptive, passionate. She refuses to see him as a lost cause. Soon, the walls around Chase's heart are crumbling, and he's in danger of falling hard. Okay. Okay, so I, I feel like, like you said, I, it's it's an accurate representation, but also it's definitely making it sound a lot saucier. It was saucy, <laughs> but I, I would, ex- if I had read that first, which I didn't, I would have expected, like, something a little more X-rated rather than R. yeah. PG thirteen. I was gonna say R. I think it's like a good PG thirteen. Like there's yeah. definitely R moments. Like in fact, I almost mm-hmm. wanted a little more because one of the things I did like is, I guess my my natural perception of romance taking place in the early nineteenth century is I'm not thinking of them to be like super kinky, but. This guy for sure was talking about tying her up more than once. (laughs) And we never actually got to see him tie her up, which was like one of my one of my few disappointing moments in the story. But the children tied them up. (laughs) Oh, that's true. That is true. Like that they do get tied up together. But yeah, that I was like, wait, where is it? Like we can't have them continue to have these As she's well the problem is she's an expert in not tying mm-hmm. and so any anything that sh- he were to tie her up with mm-hmm. she probably would have just she, it all. so it's just a plot she should have tied him up that's what should have happened that's what it is damn <laughs> missed opportunity tessa dare oh next one next one we'll get it we'll get it into the the third book in the series right um, okay, so I'll ask you first, what is what what did you like about this book? What was your overall impression of this book? Okay, so I have a page of notes. I'm really excited. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of like, oh, I was surprised by. I was very surprised by this book. I was pleasantly surprised by this book. Um, because I didn't come to it thinking Great. it would be I I had all of those um stereotypes in my head even though you and I had talked about it already I was still kind of skeptical um 
The world building is excellent. So good. Right off the bat, Chase, the rake, the libertine. Yeah, <laughs> the libertine. Um, <laughs> we get introduced to his bachelor pad, and I just think that it's so funny, the euphemisms they were using for bachelor pad and that they oh were coming up to put them together gosh. and it was just it was like legitimately hilarious storytelling they were talking about the pleasure dungeon the cave of carnality and then when alexandra was like pissed at him she called it the self-pleasure sanctum and i fucking lost yes. it <laughs> the libertine lair that one was one of my favorites so too good. like i this okay no keep going i was gonna say i have something to say about the like man cave thing but I want to hear your thoughts. Keep going. Well, I was going to move on. So if you want to stick on Man Cave, let's do it. Okay. It's kind of has to do with that. But okay, you live in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Do you watch any Canadian television? I, because Canada is like right there, right? I watch Schitt's Creek, but I think every American watches Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah. No, that's great, too, though. But um, there's a show my parents watch, and I've watched a few episodes called Murdoch. It's either Murdoch Mysteries or Murdoch Murders. And it takes place in, like, turn-of-the-century Toronto. But so it has nothing to do with this. But the one thing they do on the show that I find hysterical is, like, every episode, one of the characters will, like, invent something or coin a term that's something we know now. And it's like, oh, ha, 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 they invented this. Or ha, 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 they're talking about this. That's how I felt in this book, like, eight times. Like, I was like, wait a second, did this guy just invent the man cave? Like, wait a second, did they just, I'm trying to think of what one of the other ones was. There was one near the end. Was it the pull-out bed? Yes! Yeah, the Murphy bed. It was a yeah, Murphy's bed. They, like, invent the <laughs> Murphy bed. And then um, they go to... Uh, they go to Alex's weird friend's house where she's basically, like, a vegan and she's, like, serving them vegan ham and calling it sham and it's instead of tuna fish it's tuna ish and I was like wait a second do they also invent veganism like what's what's going on but yeah I thought that was a hilarious little tidbit um if her friend was that Penny or Nicola one Nic- of those two Nicola characters was the that's mean what one. she was like the rude one okay so it must have been Penny that was yeah. the vegan yeah Okay, I hope book three is about her because she yeah, seems hilarious. Yeah, they're both. She's like constantly adopting animals yeah. too. <laughs> she's hilarious. like a goat walking around and they go to feed the <laughs> otter that's in the backyard. <laughs> I mean, okay, you know, there's always there's always one of those, right? <laughs> right, I loved it. So, I mean, even like things like that, the world building is so rich. Um, the character development right off the bat, we learn so much about Alex that, uh, is so relatable. And that's yes. one of the things that you're surprised by being so early in the 1800s, but she is, she's orphaned as well. So she immediately mm-hmm. like creates this bond with the orphan girls. Um, those girls are like precocious as hell. Oh, and I love everything gosh. about them. I'm so and glad like, you said it first. <laughs> Chase. Oh, okay. So we meet Chase it opens up on a funeral for one of the girl's dolls. And I and she, like, this doll dies of something different every single day. And I think it is the funniest part of the book. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, and I like that, you know, they're precocious. And you see so many precocious kids in books, movies, television. But I was like, okay, this is different, though. I've never seen one with the little girl who's, like, constantly killing her doll with, like, 
and hilarious. it's like weird shit like dysentery and oh she <laughs> she got the pox and they're like wait a second how do you know what that is and like it's it's and they're so like smearing funny. jam all over yeah. it too because it's like bloody like a leprosy and it's like gross like it's hilarious like morbid little girls yeah, I love, love it. it and then you you immediately at least I did I knew that it was going to be easy to fall in love with Chase because he he dotes on them. I mean, he really does. He could tell these girls, like, no, you can't do this. Like, stop it. You know, but he he goes to every stupid funeral for Millicent the doll and... And says a eulogy. Yeah. Like a champ. Like, it's it's you're really like, oh, this guy's a great parent. And then you find out quickly that he's he's not their parent. He is their guardian because these poor little girls have been passed around from family member to family member and yeah I mean there's definitely good stakes and you really just find the characters so charming and so real and they really do connect with each other yeah um I'm surprised to hear you say that Chase is super likable because I kind of hated him (laughs) oh no I see I actually liked him more at the start than I did at the end because at the end I feel like he just kept dancing around like will we be together will we not be together and it just it was too many times for me like of them going back and forth and back and forth and obviously you expect something like that in like a relationship story but I don't know like I found him I thought he was really funny I found him really charming but not like a gross charming like I never felt like he was like pressuring her into doing anything no and that's something I want to get into but I do think that there were some kind of icky moments where I was just like come on I'm sick of this trope like (laughs) I don't need the bad guy to be fixed by the manic pixie dream girl which they kind of leaned into Mm, that a little bit okay okay he kind of put her on a pedestal that she was everything that he never knew that he always wanted and she's like not like the other girls and she's really strong and really interesting and she has yeah I'm just like uh, it's so funny because I feel like if you had this book to compare to other romances, I wonder if you would say that just because like he was like so tame and chill compared to so oh many God. male heroes I've read who are so damaged that you're just like, why are you dealing with this guy? He's so gruff. He's so mean. Like this guy was like nice. Start he to is fit. Nice. like he was he was never mean. He was never like yelling or like like very like beast beauty and the beast status yeah like that that's how I picture so many men in romance novels like I'm like you might as well just make them the beast like okay, I never want to read those please give me a list of all of them I never want to read them um I I wrote down I'm gonna share with you my notes at the end about Chase I'm just gonna Perfect. speed straight forward to that one Chase sucks as a human but Ooh. I wouldn't mind sleeping with him <laughs> Great, great. Again, I feel like this is a common thing we discuss about a lot of these books. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally get that. I, I, I personally, I thought he was compared to a lot of characters that I have read. I thought he was actually a pretty decent male lead, and also someone that I was like, okay. But you're right. I definitely see the whole like her fixing him thing throughout. Like yeah. she she was always pretty sure of herself for the most part. Like she was a very confident female character, which I liked. I did like. But yeah, no, that's I could see where that would definitely come across as <laughs> manic pixie dream girl. Oh, my God. I love that you brought that up. 
That's great. Okay, what else? Lay it on me. Oh, there's way too much clothing in the 1800s for me to even begin to understand. There's a scene, and we could read it too, but there's a scene where he like goes layer by layer and I was like what the fuck is going on like how much clothing does she have on I don't even know what these words is it mean. like the first time they hook up and I think he like fingers her like I'm I'm pretty sure like when he like rips off her her shift her shift I don't know it, it may have been in the prison oh that's right I forgot oh yeah yeah the yeah, old yeah prison? No, that, that, which by the way just so people have context and they don't think there's like <laughs> a prison sex scene they go to Tower of London to like take the girls to you know learn some history and and then let the girls you know go on ahead and proceed to like make out and hook up like you know in the Tower of London <laughs> as you do hold on um I'll read this because this is okay. where I was like what the fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here it is. You were right. You were right. He cupped her breasts through the light muslin of her day dress. Okay, so she's wearing a day dress. Okay. Um, to me, that's like <laughs> one piece. Sure. Like, <laughs> he found her nipple and rolled it between his thumb, teasing it into a hard peak. Chase. The pleading note in her voice made him wild. He stole inside her open jacket. Okay, so she has a jacket on, too. Shoving aside the virginal white fichu. What? Then working his fingers beneath the muslin of her frock, he knew the layers of a woman's clothing well as well as he knew his own, better than his own, truthfully, since he had a valet to assist him in his own attire. He eased one of his, her frock sleeves down over her shoulder. The strategy gave him just enough space to reach behind her stiffened stays and linen shift. With a, well, a deft, well-practiced motion, he lifted her breath liberating her breast her breath oh i was trying to make it rated g that's cute he lifted her breast liberating it from her stays okay so we've got stays we've got a fichu we've got a lot of muslin yeah we've got frocks jackets i have no idea what's happening is this woman in a straight jacket that was the scene (laughs) that was the scene where i too i was like wait okay am i reading a lot of synonyms for like the same outfit or is this like is she like dressed for winter? Like I'm not <laughs> sure. I was like, I'm not sure what uh, is going. But you're right. That was actually the one scene that I did note. I was like, wait a second, what's going on with what these people are wearing? But he understood. He's like, I understood the lady. That's layers. all that matters. And here's the thing: he understands a lot, and I will give him credit for that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really interesting storyline. Is his whole, I guess that was kind of the thing, his whole like little damaged backstory sort of thing that, you know, she has to fix them for. I didn't love that. Like where it's, it's that he, uh, he was like given chart to take care of his cousin, an adult man, when he came to visit like three years ago. And then they went out drinking and partying. And while Chase was hooking up with some girl, his cousin like got in a fight with somebody and they killed him. <laughs> and He's harbored, like, all this guilt for these years and, like, just hooked up with women but not actually had sex with them since then. Like, that's, like, his punishment is, like, I can't, I can't do that. But he still, he still meets up with a lot of women and learns to uh, pleasure them in various ways. And I mean, I think it's great. He just wants to fool yeah. around. I mean, I'm, like, good for, he basically, sweet. okay, again, inventing friends with benefits is that's, that's what's happening in this book. <laughs> He's really good at third base. There you go. <laughs> the there first you three. Go. He just doesn't make it home, and that's fine. I respect that. 
Yeah, yeah. And it seems like he's okay with that. The ladies totally. are okay with it. Like, so, you know, good for you, man. But I guess um, that makes him a, a – that contributes to his feminism, right, is he's all mm-hmm. about pl- the pleasure of his partner, which Absolutely. is, like, great. And, yeah. and we could talk about that. We could talk about consent. I think there's a lot to be said about the approach to – pleasure in this book was really really great yeah and and it's not to say that in other romance novels there's not consent happening like that's not but I think I think when um in a lot of stories when people bring in like the alpha male and like anything that necessarily involves you know maybe a little bit of BDSM or anything that's like a little on the rougher side um it's it definitely gets called into question um a little bit like when it comes to consent and is he pushing her too far is you know what's going on because it's usually it's it's definitely a topic that is discussed and we've discussed it on this podcast too but you're right I think in this book I I know that I marked a specific point where I want to say the first time they're about to have sex that multiple times he's like are you okay do you want me to keep going do you want me to stop? Are you still okay? Like, and I, I've noticed that in actually a few books I've read recently, this like continue for consent, like not just step one. Great. She said, yes, let's go. But that it's just like this continued Mm -hmm. conversation that's happening. So Mm -hmm. I like that. And I want, I want to see more of that. So I'm going to get kind of heavy here, even though this is a funny podcast conversation. We're talking about romance novels, but there was something that was very, um, as a, survivor of sexual assault it was incredibly healing to see that whole consent um situation play out and I actually I honest to god shed a tear I was like oh this is how this was supposed to happen and I didn't know it until you know here I am reading this you know fluffy romance novel Mm -hmm. that you know it's Alexandra's first time she's never like experienced any of these things before and it was so like it was the alternative timeline of what could have happened to me and didn't Mm -hmm. and so being able to read that and see it happen in like the optimal circumstances was so I mean healing is the only way I can describe it it was just like really a beautiful moment for me as a reader like oh okay this is this is really important for young women to read. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Had I had that when I was 14, like maybe things would have happened differently for me. So romance yeah. novels are doing good in this world. I've said it and I will stick to it. <laughs> well, it's it's so interesting too, because I'm thinking, you know, why isn't this a book that, you know, we're pushing for 14, 15, 16-year-old men and women, any gender, to be reading? You know, I mean, if, if it's a representation of a good healthy relationship it shouldn't matter what the genre is necessarily so yeah I don't know we'll see maybe I'll become a high school teacher and start making my students read romance novels oh I'm sure you'll never get a letter from a parent doing that no of course not (laughs) so that's my big thing about consent it was a super sexy scene that was probably my favorite sex scene they didn't go all the way but Mm. she I mean he gave her pleasure and she experienced it fully and then she says something like she's oh here's the line she was totally unaware of lover's etiquette she feared she'd do it all wrong and so she tried to like reciprocate and then he says and this was Mm. like 
fucking beautiful. Pleasuring you was pleasure for me. I don't want you to feel that you must reciprocate out of obligation. Love making isn't a market trade. Not the way I go about it anyhow. And I was like, melt. Take me now. That was the sexiest thing I have ever read. And you know what? I feel like in a lot of romance I've read, there's a scene like this where usually it is a man going down on a woman or giving her pleasure in some way and then she tries to reciprocate and he's like no baby that was all for you or like oh I got pleasure just making it happen for you and I'm like that's great but just the fact that he said something about no you don't have to reciprocate like don't feel like you have to do this that is not the expectation I I don't think I've actually heard it phrased that way in a book before so yeah, it that wasn't was great. transactional at all. Even though she wanted to or she wanted to learn, she was curious. Yeah. And he was he was just like, No, let's let's just stop here and we'll, you know, save it for next time. Your next lesson. That was the thing mm-hmm. was they were having these sex lessons because she was so new to it. <laughs> Hilarious. Which is so funny because I feel like throughout the story, it was kind of interesting because I feel like usually you have like this, well, who's like the who's the like one leading the sex here? You know, who's the dominant one in this relationship? And I'm not so sure. Like, I kind of feel like it was her for most of the time. Like, she was the one that would initiate something. She was the one that always wanted to try new things and learn new things. And even though she's the one learning, she's the one pushing for it. And it really gives her so much agency in the book. Like, oh, Yeah, she's it. feisty as hell. I really liked mm-hmm. her. She's I really cool. liked her a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say the one thing that to just wrap up this conversation about consent it like only stayed in the bedroom which was interesting there was a scene oh, where okay. they um were going out to the park and chase wanted her to get on a boat and she didn't want to and she just kept saying no 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 mm-hmm, because she mm-hmm. has a lot of you know growing up the daughter of a sailor like and her dad went down with the ship because he was the captain and she has a lot of like ptsd about right. boats and water and um he didn't realize that and he pressured her to get on this boat and like the day goes to hell in a handbasket yeah um and so i was like okay well consent was great but like i guess it doesn't leave the bedroom (laughs) but like the most important part might just be the bedroom so that's fine (laughs) yeah no 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 that's a good point though and and to be fair we don't know anything about or at least his character doesn't know anything about her yes problems you know I mean I I could see where it was it was clearly meant to be like oh come on you know sort Mm -hmm. of thing but Mm -hmm. but she did yeah she did say no multiple times when it came to getting on the uh the little boat (laughs) their little dinghy for their afternoon afternoon float and then the 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 doll Millicent goes into the water and he dives in and saves the day and his shirt clings to him all sexy like I have to say, I do think there was a lot of good, with the exception of how I wanted them, I wanted somebody to get tied up because there was mention of tying up multiple times. Except for that, I feel like there was a lot of really good follow through and like callback on Tessadera's part. Like there's this ongoing storyline about how, you know, Alex used to grow up on the on the water because her father was a sea captain and And you realize she has this fear of water from the very beginning because she like, that's the reason she goes to be a governess is she, she drops her device she uses to fix clocks into the water. And so she has to go become a governess. But then by the end, they actually, she, she's the one asking him to get on the boat with her. And then there's the whole storyline about how they meet at a bookstore at the very beginning and 
she when she goes to work for him is like, oh, he doesn't remember that we met there. And then he's the one to later bring it up. And then lo and behold, it ends in a bookstore again. Like but the same one, I think. Right. And he presents her with the book that she has been like lusting after since yes, day one. That and that was like from the day they met. And there was the whole thing, too, with the books of he's like, well, let's let's weigh the pros and cons because she mentions multiple times that like. I have to weigh the pros and cons of every situation, and it happens several times in the book. And mm-hmm. yeah, there was definitely a lot of good follow through with like these stories and like little character traits that were planted by Tessa Dare. I was like, good for you for the actually writing following is, through. Yeah, the writing is really tight. I yes. was really impressed with that too. It's like there were no loose ends. The it was just a lot of consistency, and it was mm-hmm. really clear. And you knew it's like when. Even if all the names were taken out of it, I feel like you would know who everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. They were all very unique characters. Like, that's like, as a, like, I I write um, screenplays. And so as a writer, like, you have to create characters where if this dialogue should be something that just this person says, like, this should be about this person and I should know it's them. Like, I feel like you could easily take the names, like you said, away from the characters and know exactly who each of these people were because they were so unique. So, and funny. And funny. <laughs> it was a funny book. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of funny. Everyone's super quirky. Like, they all have, like, their weird quirks, like, besides the kids. You know, I mean, the kids are nuts. <laughs> the part that made me actually, like, belly laugh out loud was Chase's, like, half-brother or whatever comes over to check out the man cave and Chase is like I need you to lay down on the couch because he's like affixing a mirror to the ceiling or something like this is a straight up like lair Um, and he so this guy like lies on the couch and he says are you gonna draw me like one of your French girls and I lost Yes. I that was one of my notes that I made where I was like did he also invent Titanic (laughs) I just I don't know. I couldn't believe that reference was there. I used to say that about my cat all the time because he would lie like luxuriously on his stomach, like draw me like fur hanging out. French girls. Oh my god, I died. Which, by the way, so funny. Um, this is our second episode this month where we mention Titanic because it has that specific reference in both books. No way! Yeah, it, it's literally the line, are you going to draw me like one of your French girls? And I'm like, really? Like, we can't think of one other reference to, like, put At in your bed. hook up in an old Model so T. Come on. Funny. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. <laughs> well, I guess it's, like, the same time period, too. Titanic was 1812. So yeah. we're kind of getting these... There you go. Yeah, there you it, go. Must, it must have just been something people said. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, oh, I know what something. Um, you know what's funny too is we don't we don't see a lot of the sex that they have in this story. Like it's we get a little bit of like the start of their relationship, and then they talk about like oh well we've been trying different things, which I'm like good for you. I love that there's so much communication and new things you're trying but um we've mentioned in the podcast before that there's been stories where they emphasize like how important kissing is and like how sexy kissing is and this story I felt like put a lot of emphasis on hand jobs (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh my god there's like at least two hand job scenes and one of them is so detailed I was like wow 
making people look at a hand job so differently. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting because I I honestly I read this a few weeks ago and I honestly can't tell you. Maybe I blocked it out because I'm like not a fan. I don't know. But I thought the kissing was pretty um pretty foregrounded. Mhm. Mhm. Especially because it just like knocks Alex off her feet the first time and yeah. then she wants to learn how to do the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I I liked I just liked all the discussions they would have. Like they definitely talk about and engage in oral sex. I mean, and mm-hmm. they uh, he mentions like he says something about what does he call his penis? He doesn't say penis the first time and she's like, "Oh, you mean your penis?" Like she's just <laughs> she's like so direct and forward about everything. Like she's like, "Come on, I like you can say it, you know." And and so, yeah, they'll just the, the conversations they would have and the way they would talk about sex, I just thought were fantastic. <laughs> also, a great learning experience for somebody who doesn't have a super healthy, you know, relationship with sexuality is like, yeah, this is how you communicate about it and ask for what you want. And I just thought that was, again, a great experience mm-hmm. as a reader. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Okay, what else do you have? Other thoughts? I think that one of the most feminist storylines is how Alexandra teaches the girls. Because, right, she is the governess. It's the name of the book. And they're, they've been, like you said, passed around from family to family. And she doesn't come in like, oh, I know everything. Yes. And I'm going to be Mary Poppins and teach you how to do this. And here's your reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's not that at all. She realizes that these are some weird fucking girls. And <laughs> they need some weird fucking curriculum in order to learn. And she's not go- And she makes a point. She's not going to make them um, into, like, society girls. There's a quote that I wrote down. She'd help them become women who couldn't be ignored. And I thought that was so mm. cool. Um, no, that's awesome. So I think just one of my my favorite subplots of the whole thing is her curriculum. She turns her basic lessons, things that they need to know, into a pirate ship. And she, like, yeah. completely transforms their room and their school room into a pirate ship. And she takes them lesson by lesson with this, like, pirate theme and I don't know. I just thought it was brilliant. And I thought that that's like, from an educational standpoint, that's how you meet your students where they are, where yeah. they are. <laughs> no, it was great. It was, it was so cute. And I love too that like, it was like all these pirate themed lessons, but then it still included, what was it? Um, Needlepoint. <laughs> Needlepoint. Because you had to learn how to like, fix your clothes. You don't yeah. have a... And then they run off at the end to, like, go join a ship because they learn so much. Yeah. Yeah. I like, too, the, the girls, there's mention of how um, the older one, Rosamond, how she's, you know, she's very smart. She's read, like, through all the books. Um, and then by the end of the story, she's, like, she's, like, 10. Isn't she supposed to be 10 or 11? Yeah, she's and young. Mm-hmm. She's tackling geometry. Like, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, that's awesome. The fact that he's so invested. I know he wants to send them away to school, but... He's so invested in, like, their education and making sure that they, you know, learn some. I'm like, that's great. And then with the younger one, I feel like it's a it's a little nod at, you know, she's going to be, like, in forensics or in science or medicine. Like, yeah. she she's always talking about, like, dissecting bodies and the different diseases. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's so cool. Like, there's actually a purpose yeah. for this. She's not just precocious, like, for no reason. Right. No, she's smart. They're both smart and, like, quirky and weird. And I love them. And I would even go as far to say, I wonder if Tessa Dare was 
intended Rosamund to be like a burgeoning trans character because at Mm. some point she wants to go by the name Sam and she that's a good point um I think they say something about uh she would be a boy on a ship or she wanted to be like they were gonna cut their hair and like yeah you know masquerade as little boys on yeah 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 and so I wonder if that was just like a little nod to the trans community that this little that'd be great child I mean, was ex- experimenting with gender at least yeah just the fact I mean just the fact that she she's changing her name and mm-hmm. you know is like this is what I go by now and then it actually there's a callback to that at the end when he's been sick and they write him letters mm-hmm. she even signs her letter Sam mm-hmm. I'm like oh great this isn't something we just mentioned and then dumped off you know one time like she actually is going by Sam now. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like that. I didn't even think about that, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm like, oh, that would be a great interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe book three awesome. is Sam coming into his own in his like teens and twenties and meeting the girl of his dreams. I don't think that's. <laughs> I think it's going to be about that's just the my... weird one with the goats, like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's my feminist dream. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that'll be. Maybe they'll. Maybe Tessa Dare will write the the four female characters and their stories, and then they'll be like the next generation, and then nice. we can have Sam's back. But then they could still be girl meets Duke, but Sam is the Duke. Ooh! Oh shit! Look at that <laughs> call me Tessa Dare. I got lots of ideas for you. Nice. Let's queer. I'm this. here for it. <laughs> I'd read it. I'd read it. We've been reading a lot of queer romance lately, and I am here for it. Like, it's great. Awesome. It's so good. I love it. Okay. You gave us a sexerpt already. This is usually the part of the podcast where we, we read some of our favorite sexerpts from, from the story. And, and like I said, I don't think there's a lot of actual what people would consider. Like, this is so funny. Tell me if this is a word or not, because we've mentioned this in our last recording, is it penetrative sex or penetrating sex? I think penetrative. Okay, good. Because I said that and I was like, wait a second. Am I just making up words again? Wouldn't be the first time. Even if you are, I would sign that petition to Miriam Webster. Yeah. Perfect. Great. (laughs) I will take that signature. And uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like there isn't a lot of penetrative sex in this story. However, there is definitely a nice variety especially when it comes to foreplay, which I am all about. I personally, in stories, find that so much sexier than the actual yep. sex. Same, so same. I am here for it. Um, my particular scene that I picked out is uh, when we have a nice round of um, mid-morning cunnilingus in the library. <laughs> oh, and the kids bust in right at the end? I was so uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So that's the thing about um, Chase and Alex. They have a lot of their sex is either in his little libertine lair sex room or whatever, or it's in like completely public places. (laughs) And like they have the whole scene at the Tower of London. And then this one is in the library. And, you know, right afterwards, the kids bust in. But but yeah, he like walks in and just like walks right up to her and like, you know, pushes her against the live the wall and just drops to his knees and um goes to town. Mm-hmm. So here's a little excerpt from that for you. 
She began to roll her hips, seeking more contact, wanting it faster. A muscle in her thigh quivered. He knew she was close. Come, he silently willed. Come for me. A few more. Oh, no. My page just changed. (laughs) Okay, I got it. A few more flickering pulses of his tongue, and she went over the edge. She came with a series of shuddering whimpers, bracing herself on his head and shoulders. He didn't let up until her pleasure eased, and even then, he couldn't tear himself away. He pressed his mouth to her inner thigh, sucking and biting until a bruise rose on her tender flesh. There, now he'd left his mark. Chase Renault was here. There you go. All right. Well, to cool us off, I've got the That's most, that. I've got a cringeworthy one already. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on your kink, this might be totally great. But to me, I was like, not for you. Not for um, you. Okay. Okay. So, and I think it was just the writing. It wasn't like the sexy parts. So to set the scene, um, they had just been tied up by the children. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chase kissed her forcefully to prove what he was. There was no tenderness in it, only punishment. Hated that line. Fucking hated that line. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, not okay with it. I highlighted it and said, ick. Um, Okay. A good lashing with his tongue rather than a switch. If everyone else was playing pirate, he was going to play pirate too. (laughs) Pirates took. They seized. They plundered. Oh, no. This word choice. (laughs) I know. It's it's cringy. He kissed his way down her neck, her delicate, lovely neck, while he skimmed his hand the full length of her torso, tracing the contours of her body through the thin muslin of her frock. Again, how many frocks are she wearing? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. The embrace he meant to be punishing became much too tender. (laughs) Alexandra, he whispered. Her friends call her Alex, but he wasn't her friend. He was her employer, her superior in society, at a practiced rake. One who could ravish her right here, right now, on the creaking schoolroom floor, amid the scattered books with slates and chalk. Instead, all he wanted was to kiss her for hours, days. Every woman was unique, but she was different. And this is the manic pixie girl, dream girl part. Strange and brave and clever. She made him different, too. For once, he wanted to slow down, take his time to explore and notice everything about her rather than hide from himself. Her tongue shyly caressed his. Each light, teasing pass was a gift. His first, her first taste of passion, and she shared them with him, freely, sweetly. In her arms, he could almost dream he deserved it. No one's a lost cause. Oh, Gag, bored, yeah. totally pass, over the <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> He never wanted to believe anything more, but she didn't know, couldn't begin to understand how far he'd strayed from the path of respectability. Because his cousin died on his watch? Like, yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. Um, da 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 I want to get to, okay, this part. This is like three paragraphs down. The moment was precipitously ruined by the sounds of two girls crashing up the stairs. <laughs> he and Alexander were barely able to scram- scramble to their feet and straighten their clothing before Rosamond and Daisy barreled into the room. Each girl had a slice of cake in one hand and a jam stuffed roll in the other. <laughs> Boo! Daisy used her sleeve to wipe jam from her mouth. You escaped. We'll practice our knots and do better next time, Rosamond told her sister. It's so funny because, like, one, I feel like I could never live in that time because I'd be so sweaty from all the clothes that I'd be wearing. Two. Yes. It's, I don't know. That, that 
that passage, especially when it's like the whole thing about punishing her and everything, it almost it just sounds so different than like the rest of the story. I I mean, I guess it's a yes. I guess it's a good way to look at kind of like his character arc is like that's they both have Chase and Alex both have very clear ideas of who they think like and who they think they are and what they want at the beginning. Like she has this whole concept of like. I'm going to do this job for a few months and take the money to buy myself a cottage. Like, I don't see myself getting married or having kids. Like, I want this for myself. And he changes that, as relationships mm-hmm. do. And then he mm-hmm. has this whole, this whole idea about how I don't deserve something like that because I killed my cousin, which he didn't. I mean, again, that, that storyline's like a little weak for me. I'm like, I feel like he could have had something better for him I mean like some laced drugs that he accidentally slipped yeah. in you know like that could have been more realistic yeah whatever. but anyways yeah the guilt there I didn't yeah ex- I was like I like the idea of like that being like the reason you're this way but like I feel like you really didn't do anything wrong so like I just couldn't understand why he was experiencing that much guilt that's like still getting yeah. him three years later so much so that he won't allow himself to have sex with a woman <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, I'm not sure how these two go together. <laughs> but I wonder if, like, so one of the things that they talk about when he says he doesn't, like, round home in bed is because he doesn't, he also doesn't want to get a woman pregnant. And so mm-hmm. they make that oh, really clear right, early right. on, too. So, no, there are no little chases running around. Yeah. Until he decides to seal the deal with Alex. And then by the end, there might be a little chase. There might be a bun in the oven. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I want to go back, having read this book, I want to go back and read the first book in the series. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because we don't really, we don't really see, is it Emma? Emma's the character? Emma, Emma and Ashcraft, Ashberry, Ash... Something, Ash Lo- something, Lord Ash something. Um, he's yep, he's yep. hysterical, by the way, when he shows up and he's like, I'm going to kick your ass, but not really because I'm going to sick my cat on you and rub salmon that on your balls and my cat's going to eat you. And it's just like he's going basically like he's going he's he hates Chase so much. He's going to put his dick in some tuna and then stick <laughs> his cat on it. And the, the cat's going to eat <laughs> eat his dick and the tuna like what that was yeah i I was like that's wow like have you thought about that or is that just like something (laughs) off the top of your head like that's that is one hell of a vision (laughs) but i'm on board for it i'm like okay i i want to read your story now (laughs) yeah yeah he's a character (laughs) but uh yeah no i definitely i definitely do want to go back and read book one and then hopefully um read book three when it finally comes out this august Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I do want to say one last thing. Another just like testament to uh, Alex's feminism is we didn't mention it at all. She's obsessed with the stars and navigation and comets. Oh and my I think gosh, that is you're such right. A cool part of her character. Yeah. That is another one of those themes that just kind of gets brought up every once in a while. And mm-hmm. it's so, again, tight writing, really concise, and just contributes to her being a well rounded character. So. A plus work again, Tessa Dare. No, I, th- I think that's a great point. And like like I said earlier with, um, you know, the kids and how their involvement in like math and science, like there's definitely, I like I like the image that Tessa Dare is painting of women in this story because even with Alex's friends, 
Like they still, they still, you know, they went to school. Like they had the whole society lessons and everything. Like I think people think if you want to be a feminist, again, we're back to this, that it's your feminist if you do this, but, you know, and that I think there's this whole idea that, you know, women can't just, just be, I'm using quotes, women mm-hmm. can't just be mothers or women can't just be society ladies like that it's it's wrong Mm -hmm. and and I think there's a good balance in this story like she still wants the girls to know needlepoint but at the same time she's off discovering a comet and encouraging them to learn math and science so I think it's a great mix of like the different ideas people associate with women and that you don't have to be one way or the other. You don't have to be mm-hmm. an old type of woman or like a modern woman. Like you, these are all things mm-hmm. that you can have and do and still be a feminist woman. Well-rounded. And again, feminism is multifaceted and feminist people are multifaceted. There you go. There you go. So what do you think overall feminist rate? I mean, I'm going to ask you to give the book a couple grades. I'm going to ask you to grade for story, syntax, and sexcapades. But I feel like we also need like a feminism ranking of this Yeah. Book. Scale of one yeah. to ten. Well, I mean, obviously it depends on the definition of feminism that you're working with. True. Um, there's not a whole lot of intersectionality here. There's not a whole lot of diversity here. So um, if I were ranking it on those ideals, it would get a pretty bad grade. But in terms of like women um, having independent voices and standing up for themselves and being confident and asking for what they want and getting what they want, like, yeah, absolutely. I would say that's like a... Are we doing a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, like scale, Let, scale okay. of 1 to 10. 10 being the very best that it could possibly be. I'm going to put it like an 8.5. That's great. There's there's some like manic pixie dream girl <laughs> stuff that I'm not down for. Um, and like the punishment with the tongue lashing. No like, no punishing pirates. <laughs> no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But um, yeah, the main character, Alex, knows what she wants and asks for it. And does it in a safe, responsible way. And... Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I know. I think I think that's a that's a great um great thing to think about when picking up this book. And I definitely hope people do. So how about the rest of our grades for this story? So for story, syntax, and sexcapades, scale of one to ten. Um story. Okay. It was super predictable, but that's one of the things I liked about it is it was brain candy. I yeah. I knew it was going to have a happy ending, and I liked that about it. Sure, sure. And not necessarily the ending that I... Did I want them to get married and have a baby? No, it could have gone a different way. That could have still been happy. So I'm going to say like six and a half, seven. Okay. No, that's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm with you. I'm a, I'm somebody where at the very end, I don't need everything to be wrapped up like so clearly for me. Like for me, it could have just ended at the bookstore. Like... We got yeah, together, sure. done, yay! Yeah. So, yeah, and then for me, the only thing that kind of brought it down was that, you know, uh, Chase Chase has his moments where he just kind of, I guess, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't as much of a fan of his and his story as I was with Alex, so. Yes. Yeah, so. But I will say that what made up for his, like, less favorable parts was the story of the girls like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I think was so good and so well done yeah that that's 
I'm weighing that much more heavily than like the romance story I think oh yeah no because we really do it it really is like a relationship story like because it's not just Mm -hmm. you know his relationship with Alex but we see so much of each of them with the girls alone and then also all of them together as a family like it, it really is just so sweet and heartwarming I gave it I gave it an eight I gave the story an eight I was like Mm -hmm. I would read this again I would read the next book in the series I am here Mm -hmm. for it and these characters so Mm -hmm. how about syntax miss uh miss Tessa Dare's writing oh 100 100 yeah 10 I thought it was great I yes yeah I'm really impressed with her writing style I like it a lot cool cool yeah I gave it a 10 too I'm not surprised I mean I came into it knowing exactly who Tessa Dare is and what she writes, as your friend Becky clearly also oh, yeah. is a fan. So you'll have to thank Becky for... Oh, I'm sure she'll listen to this. I'm, I'm sure she's already a listener because I've recommended it to her. Perfect. So, yes. Well, thank you, Becky. This <laughs> this one, this episode goes out to Becky. So there you go. It's our first our first dedication. Um, how about the sexcapades? The uh, quality, quantity, however you want to interpret it. That's... A really good question. I, for somebody dipping her toe into this, and like I said, somebody with a history of assault, like it was really beautiful and it was sweet. And I really appreciated how slow it kind of yes. the, the buildup was. Yes. And how tasteful it all was. It never felt explicit. Um, and for me, it was kind of the perfect, perfect romance. Yeah. Really perfect, like sexy times and so I'm gonna give it a 10 I really enjoyed that part of it no that's awesome I gave it a nine just because it's still missing my tie somebody tied up (laughs) sex scene like I'm like I'm sorry I there was mention of it multiple times and I didn't get to see it (laughs) but other than that other than that yeah no I'm with you it was very sweet I like you mentioned too I think I read this in an article recently where it was about how in I think it was specific to movies and TV how we're watching them and seeing characters kiss and then it goes straight from them kissing to them having sex or them mm-hmm. the next morning having had sex and that we're not really seeing the progression of relationships anymore and yeah. so when I do get to see that and read that I really appreciate it like and I I yeah. know Every relationship's different. Sometimes it is just a one-time hookup thing. Wham, bam, thank you, man. Done and done. And so, I mean, I get it. But, yeah, I do I do like seeing the different steps and them, you know, experimenting different ways. At one point, I think it's when they have sex for the first time, she is very vocal about how this is, like, the most painful thing she's ever felt in her life. And he's like, oh, well, what can we do? Do you want to change positions? Like, yeah, you know, let's do this. And she's like, can we, is that okay? And he's like, yeah, of course it's okay. Like, I want this to be good for you too. Like, boom, one mm-hmm. more reason to love Chase in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. No. That's why I said like, don't really like him as a human. <laughs> Probably would still climb into bed with him. Great. Great. <laughs> yes. There we go. Perfect. So having read this, are you thinking that maybe your opinions of romance have changed? 
Absolutely. I think that especially um, this series, I'm curious to see what comes next and what came before. So I think I'll be checking out the first one and looking forward to the third one in the series. Oh, good. Okay. So you've got some more reading to do then. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Some more Tessa Dare. And I'm sure between Becky and I, we could make plenty more recommendations for you. (laughs) And I love Downton Abbey. And so this felt like a little bit in that world, even though it's quite a bit earlier than Downton Abbey, it still felt like, okay, I could see Mary having her own little romance Yeah. Anyway, Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. No, I love it. And I'm sure it's been written somewhere in fanfic. Oh, I'm sure, right? That's, that's a whole other world. That is like a whole <laughs> other section of romance that is just... I haven't tapped as much. Like, I mean, it's, it's something that people have mentioned on the show, and I feel like I am missing out on the world of fanfic (laughs) i gotta get on that got it i'm gonna start with downton (laughs) downton okay i'll start i'll start with downton abbey (laughs) oh my gosh like i it really does make me curious about what that will be (laughs) god bless the internet oh isn't it so thank you so much for joining us and um obviously uh i'm gonna have to check out the april feminist book club box because we're gonna be airiesing it up in here and use code boobies for a discount code boobies for a discount on the april feminist book club box and check out feminist book club box on twitter instagram you guys are on facebook too right Yep, sure are. Facebook.com slash awesome. Feminist Book Club Box. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. No excuses not to find Feminist Book Club. So there we go. Thank you Thank so much, you. Renee. This was so fun. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.